0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Roto-World Baseball Podcast. This episode is greeting most of you on opening day morning on Thursday, so thanks for tuning in. Happy opening day to you. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here by Drew Silva. Drew, I was working on my spring training daily piece for Roto-World last night, and then all of a sudden I needed to switch things up completely because Fernando Tatis Jr. is making the Padres opening day roster, uh, quite the surprise uh, to wrap up spring training.
1: Yeah, r- really came out of nowhere. Um, I was thinking he'd be like a second half guy, honestly. Like, yeah, me too. M- maybe maybe it gets the call in June, but probably waits even longer than that. But I mean, props to the Padres for for going for it and and putting their best players on the field from the get go. I'd, I'd, would you think like maybe they have an, an Eloy Jimenez style extension lined up so that um, they don't have to worry about service time and are just waiting a few weeks to announce it so that it's not suspicious or something?
0: It's possible, or or it could be teams being like, you know what, after the next CBA, who knows what the structure for uh, yeah. you know arbitration or young players is going to be? So like, why even worry about that? I don't know. That's I, fair. I was kind of thinking about that last night. But uh, what's funny about this situation is that I did a chat, or this season, we're going to do two weekly chats on YouTube this season. So I did my first one on Monday. And I got at least one question about Fernando Tatis Jr. And I kind of downplayed, you know, what kind of role he was going to play this year in fantasy leagues. Because I, I honestly was expecting, you know, maybe late in the year, he'd get a cup of coffee, something like that. But Uh, My expectations were not very high, so I'm going to scrub that video from the internet if that's okay Okay. with everyone. Uh, But it's definitely one of those situations where I'm happy to be wrong because I'm uh, definitely very excited to see what he can do in the majors. Um, The opposite side of that situation is that Luis Urias, who we expected to play shortstop in the majors to begin the year, he's going to head to AAA. Uh, Ian Kinsler will start at second base at least to begin the year. I'm sure that'll change at some point. Um, maybe as ta- if Tatis really struggles or Kinsler gets hurt or either way I suspect we'll see uh, arise soon enough as for general expectations for Tatis um, you know when the news came down last night I got a ton of people tweeting at me you know not only asking is he a must pickup which I think should be pretty obvious just on upside alone but you know what we can reasonably expect from him this year and I think we have to keep in perspective. He's just 20 years old. (laughs) He spent all of last season in double A at age 19. He struck out in 27.7% of his plate appearances down there, but uh, still hit 286 with a 355 on base percentage. So uh, draws walks had an 8.4% walk percentage down there, had 16 homers and 16 steals in 88 games. Uh, The funny thing is that Tatis often draws comparisons to Manny Machado and now he's going to be standing right next to him in San Diego. And you know, that left side of the infield is going to be a lot of fun for a long time. I mean, I don't see Tatis as a top 10 fantasy shortstop right away. I mean, the position is so deep right now. Um, so I definitely see ups and downs for him, at least as far as making contact and batting average, stuff like that. But, uh, the talent and upside is just too good to pass up in in most fantasy leagues. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I think he could be like a fifteen homer, maybe twenty steals guy as a rookie. That's probably like the ceiling. Yeah, or maybe the ceiling is a little higher than that, but that's probably like a good expectation. I think for you know an optimistic view of of what he's going to be right away.
0: Like I'd take um, him over Ahmed Rosario, who I like this year. But just, I I think his power uh, is more developed than Rosario's at this point. Although when Rosario really makes contact, he can hit the ball a long way. Um, And Rosario, I'm not quite sure where Tatis is going to hit in the Padres lineup. I think that's a factor Um, we're going to have to weigh into, you know, uh, as far as evaluating what he can do fantasy wise. But I'd have, I'd probably have Tatis on like the fringe of my top 12. I certainly wouldn't let him sit on waivers. Uh, And I suspect by now probably he's scooped up in every competitive league.
1: Yeah, um, Francisco Mejia was also confirmed to the Padres opening day roster on Tuesday. Chris Paddock, too. Um, So again, yeah, it's cool to see this team trusting its young talent and and not worrying so much about service time stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got Manny Machado locked in on a $300 million deal. Might as well try to make a charge from the get-go this season. I mean, the National League is pretty deep. It's going to be hard to uh, sneak into the wild card mix for them, but um, we'll get into some predictions later uh, as far as standings and playoffs go. Um, But, you know, Mejia, we've talked about on this podcast, has the offensive skill set to be an impactful mixed league fantasy option at, at catcher, which is the shallowest position by far this year. You do worry about playing time because fellow catcher Austin Hedges is is the far better defender behind the plate. Hedges might get more starts out of the gate, um, but you could see Mejia mashing his way into a larger role. Um, I think he's definitely a better hitter than Hedges. Um, he, Mejia can also play some corner outfield, but the Padres are not locking or lacking in options there, so I, mm-hmm. I don't see him getting much time there. Um, Chris Paddock, I, I don't think he was on the radar to, to crack the opening day rotation entering camp this spring, but really just forced the issue with a really good Cactus League, 2.13 ERA, 20-2 to strikeout-to-walk ratio over 12 and two-thirds innings. Um, he's set to make his Major League debut on Sunday against the Giants, a team with a really dreadful offense. I think he could be a fantasy stud right away. Uh, terrific fastball, changeup combination, elite command already. Had a 1.82 ERA and 230 strikeouts in 177 career minor league innings. Only 20 walks over those 177 innings. He only threw 90 innings last year in the minors and 42 innings the year before. So this is not going to be like a 200-inning guy uh, right out out of the gate. But he could really have an impact, I think, over 120 to 130 innings uh, in his first year. Um, Just kind of a a ready-made frontline starter in my eyes.
0: Yes, and if you drafted early and maybe got him late or with like a reserve pick or something, man, you're feeling really good right now. Uh, As for Mejia, you know, I think as shallow as the catcher position is right now, you can afford to take a chance on a potential breakthrough guy. And I don't think there's any question that just on pure talent alone, Mejia could be a top 10 fantasy catcher right now. It's just a matter of getting those at bats. So, you know, if things don't work out as far as playing time or or what have you, you know, it could always go back to the Chris Ionetas and Austin yeah. Barnes and Jan Gomes. Like those guys will be there or at least someone comparable. Um, but you know, you could miss out on someone like Mejia if you're worried too much about the playing time. So uh I think it's worth a shot to to see what he can do, at least to to begin the year here. And, you know, if he is on the waiver wire, he's someone you should watch really, really closely. Uh, if he gets off to a hot start. Um, Matt Strom, another guy that I'm excited about in the Padres rotation. Um, you know, a familiar name, former Royals prospect, spent most of last year in the Padres bullpen, uh, had a 205 ERA and 41 appearances last season, had a really nice spring too. I wish I had more shares of, of either Strom or Paddock. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. <laughs> But uh, definitely that Padres team is is getting more interesting uh, by the second, really. Um, a bunch more spring training headlines to get to here in a second. Before we get to that, though, quick programming note. Over the years, we've heard from folks that they like to hear this podcast more often, more than once a week. For a variety of logistical reasons, that hasn't been possible, unfortunately. But this season, we're going to expand to two episodes per week. Um, You'll still hear me and Drew every Friday, but Matt Straup, who you might know from Roto-World Basketball and some of our preseason stuff on the baseball side, he's going to host a second show, uh, which will come out every Tuesday, and that show will include a revolving cast of Roto-World contributors from the baseball side, maybe even me or Drew from time to time, but uh, a wide variety of our baseball staff, Um, and we're really excited about it. It all starts next week, the the first full week of the season. Uh, So be sure to check it out, Um, subscribe wherever you're listening right now. So it should be a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we've wanted to do since we really started the podcast to to have two episodes a week. I know, you know, people love listening to podcasts and that industry is only growing. So I'm glad that we can provide that. It's just DJ and I do a lot of the blurbs that you read on Roto World, a lot of the columns and many other little responsibilities on the side. So we just haven't really had time. Um, We put a lot of prep into these podcasts and then recording it and then editing it. It it just takes a long time. So Matt does a great job if you've ever seen him do video work or or listen to his basketball podcasts. Um, So I think it's going to be a really, really good benefit for our listeners.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Just more comprehensive uh, this season. So uh, we'll try to be all over it. And I think it will allow us to kind of spend more time uh, digging in on bigger topics um, as opposed to, you know, our, when we do the weekly shows, we're talking about pretty much everything from the past week. So yep. um, now we can focus a little more, more on on maybe fewer topics, which I think could uh, just give better analysis in general. So I think all around it's it's great for listeners. So I'm excited to see what we do here this season. Anyway, on to more prospect news here. As Aloy Jimenez is officially going to be on the White Sox opening day roster. The news came down on Tuesday with John Jay hitting the disabled list. Jimenez, of course, recently signed a record-breaking six-year $43 million extension with the White Sox, erasing any concerns about service time. So the promotion was very much expected. And, and those who took a shot on Jimenez in some early drafts, he was certainly outside the top 100, are looking at a potential bargain here. I I don't think Jimenez is going to take a ton of walks. Um, that's really not his style, but strikeouts weren't an issue for him in the minors. He did make contact. So I think he can can contribute it in batting average right away. And the power should be there from day one as well. And he's in a good setting for a hitter as well. Um, I'm trying to remember when we did our outfield rankings podcast. I don't even know if Jimenez was in my top 50. If he was, it was probably fringy, but, um, as of right now, if I had to re-rank knowing that Jimenez will be there all season, I was kind of thinking he'd come up the start of May or something like that. But full season in the White Sox lineup, I think he could be a top 30 outfielder, potentially you know, someone in the range of like a Michael Brantley, A.J. Pollock, Ender Inciarte, kind of just right around that top 100 is where you're generally seeing those guys fall off the board. I think he could deliver comparable value there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll start in left field and probably hit fifth on opening day for Chicago with, I think, a chance to move into the cleanup spot pretty rapidly, like right behind Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if the White Sox trade Abreu this summer. It's just looking that, like that might be likely. But, yeah, Eloy has the, the tools to be a four-category fantasy producer right away, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more young stars emerging into big-time roles. Julio Urias will be in the Dodgers' season-opening starting rotation. Manager Dave Roberts announced this week. It might only be for a couple of starts initially, while Rich Hill recovers from a minor knee strain. Um, but we've talked about the durability issues up and down the Dodgers' pitching, pitching depth chart. Clayton Kershaw uh, likely out for the first month with a shoulder issue. Arias will get a lot of chances this year. Um, he is going to have some form of an innings limit uh, because he he only pitched, a, I think, like just around 30 innings between the minors and majors in postseason last year. Um, but he was the top pitching prospect in baseball just a couple of years ago before needing that major shoulder surgery. Returned strong as, as a reliever at the end of 2018. Had a 2.31 ERA in Cactus League play this spring. He actually pitched four perfect innings in an exhibition game against the Angels on Tuesday night. Um, looked really sharp in that one. Hit 96 regularly with his fastball. So I think he's fully back from, from the shoulder problem. Um, his first start will probably come Monday against the Giants, who, again, really lack power in their lineup. Uh, I think he should be rostered in all fantasy leagues while he's up and active. You have to keep in mind that there's, there's going to be an innings limit. I, I'd be surprised if he reached 100, honestly. Um, but when, when he's going, I, I I'd be starting him.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers seem to have this kind of way of handling everybody with care. I think it's because they do not assume, but they have designs on the post season. So I think they want to make it through the year, especially with some of these younger arms, Walker Bueller, et cetera, um, to get them into the, the post season. But also I think it's just a matter of circumstance, you know, Kershaw's missed time with injury. Rich Hill, we know, has had his issues, especially with, like, blisters and stuff like that. Hyunjin Ryu's shoulder problems. Um, and so someone like Urias, I, I doubt they're going to push him very far, but uh, I completely agree. When he's in the rotation, he needs to be owned in mixed leagues. And he's getting a shot right now. We know that. Maybe it's only a couple of starts, but um, it does look like he's all the way back, which is is really great to see. Um, after that type of shoulder surgery is no joke. Uh, so to see him back and, and pitching well is, is definitely a positive. And
1: still only 22 years old. You know? yes. There's a bright future ahead still of him you. Still
0: super young. So hopefully he realizes that. Um, it was expected at this point, but the Mets made it official Wednesday that uh, Pete Alonso will be on the opening day roster. Uh, in fact, he's slated to be in the Mets lineup uh, for the season opener on Thursday. This probably would have played out differently if everyone was healthy, but of course Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry will begin the year on the disabled list. Still, it's hard to say Alonzo didn't earn this opportunity. The dude hit 352 with four homers, five doubles, and a triple this spring. And in the end, the Mets are another team throwing service time aside, uh, took the players who deserved it the most. Um, it's kind of re- refreshing to see that, honestly. I had my doubts um, but like the Padres um, with Paddock and Tatis, the Mets are taking, you know, the prospects who deserve to be up in the majors. So it, it's definitely a good thing. It's a no sure thing that Alonso stays up. Of course, Fraser and Lowry will eventually return, um, and that will create a logjam in that infield. Um, and there's also been, you know, just from reading around over the past year, because I mean Alonso has really blown up. Uh, was probably one of the most improved prospect hitters last year but i still see some skepticism in the prospect community about alonzo's long-term prospects um, not just with his defense but also his ability to make contact at the major league level Um, still the power potential is just off the charts and he stings the ball pretty much everywhere i think he's gonna be one of those guys who's at the top of like exit velocity leaderboards but as of Thursday, as of Wednesday afternoon, we're recording this a day earlier than normal, he was still rostered under 50% of Yahoo League. So that should, that should change now that he's getting a chance at, I would suspect, semi-regular playing time to begin the year.
1: And then rounding out some uh, injury news among the, the fantasy-relevant prospect ranks, uh, Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoya told reporters Tuesday that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is ahead of schedule. In his recovery from that oblique strain that he suffered back on March 9th, he's already doing hitting drills in the cage. It was a grade one strain, so that's the least severe. Um, Usually takes about four weeks of rehab. I'm sure the Blue Jays will be a little more careful with him, but um, seems to be doing pretty well if he's already swinging the bat off a tee and whatnot. Um, Vlad Jr. could join up with Triple A Buffalo around the second week of April. Uh, could still make his major league debut within the first month of the regular season. Um, so the hype is is still real with him. Uh, and then Reds prospect Nick Senzel suffered a right ankle sprain while playing in a minor, minor league game this past Monday. He's going to be sidelined for around two weeks. Um, he had been learning center field in Reds camp this spring, but might have been an option to fill in at second base on opening day for the Reds while Scooter Jeanette recovers from a severe right groin strain an injury that happened late last week and could cost Jeanette multiple months. Senzel will head to to AAA Louisville whenever he's healthy and and maybe work at both center field and second base. Uh, If he recovers swiftly enough and and gets off to a hot start in the minors, I think we could see him up in the big leagues around late April. Um, To start the season, it looks like the Reds will play Jose Peraza at second base and then off-season addition Jose Iglesias at short um, Jeanette's a big loss for them, but I, they they have the guys to actually survive this injury pretty well.
0: It's pretty surprising that Iglesias had to settle for a minor league contract. Not that he's like fantasy relevant or anything, but his defense is so good. Uh, it
1: kind of it kind of came down last year though, but he was injured. Um, yeah. to be fair. But yeah. yeah, he I mean he he had been like one of the best defensive shortstops in the game for four years running.
0: Yeah, and as for Senzel, I mean he probably would have been up in the majors already. Uh, if he was healthy last year, so yeah. another disappointing turn of events for him. But um, hopefully he can make a quick recovery. We're we're quickly going to touch on some more uh, contract extensions. Obviously, we saw a ton last <laughs> we can't week.
1: Can't keep up, man. Can't no, keep it's
0: up. it's insane. And you know, we saw Mike Trout's historic deal last week, but uh, the trend has continued in recent days. One of the latest being the Mets and Jacob Degrom. Uh, they made it official Wednesday. DeGrom gets five years at $137.5 million. The deal runs from 2019 through 2023 with a club option for 2024. Uh, the deal includes an opt-out after 2022. He could max out at $170 million uh, if the option gets picked up. The Mets didn't have to do this deal. Uh, DeGrom was still under team control for two more years, but his agent, which is weird, it's awkward, because Brody Van Wagenen, the new Mets GM, used to be DeGrom's agent, but his new agent was was pushing for it, and I think uh, public perception ultimately provided the impetus for the Mets to, to get this done, um, especially some comments Noah Syndergaard made over the weekend, pretty much just saying, like, get this done, like, what's the problem? And you can understand why DeGrom wanted to do this deal. Uh, obviously, he's coming off a historic Cy Young award-winning season, but He's also going to be 31 years old in June which I think a lot of people don't realize he just got a late start on his pitching career had Tommy John surgery so he developed a lot later uh, than many other pitchers and you never know with pitchers in regard to their health so to me this was probably his best shot at a big big time payday so it made a ton of sense for him to really push on this and he set a deadline of opening day um, for talks this season and they were ultimately able to make it work. Uh, apparently, David Wright played a major role in in the structure of the deal, which is pretty interesting uh, to see him getting more involved in the front office. But um, And now the Mets have some really positive feelings going into the season as opposed to just this cloud that was going to follow them around all year. So definitely in good vibes with that team right now.
1: It seems like all these high-profile, late-spring contract extensions have kind of built some momentum for baseball like getting a lot more coverage from major networks and whatnot and i think fan bases are fired up to see their favorite players get paid.
0: Yeah, i mean i actually think i feel more buzz for the start of the season than i have in I agree. quite some time. Yeah. So i don't know if this was by design cuz the the offseason was so terrible and quiet but whatever happened it's it's working i think.
1: Yeah, you can kind of sense a different energy around the game which like you said, after that slog of an off season is, is a positive thing, um, even if even though a lot of these extensions are pretty team friendly. And yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see where baseball is going uh, from a free agent landscape perspective. Yeah, the free, agent, um, free agency yeah, is going to be
0: a complete disaster for the next couple of years. It's going to be Dallas Keuchel and a bunch of relievers. <laughs> well,
1: we're, we're going to have yeah, – yeah, Dallas Keuchel will still be out there. <laughs> um, another ace getting paid last week. Uh, the C- Chris Sale and the Red Sox agreed to a six-year, $160 million extension. There's an opt-out in the deal for after 2022, uh, like DeGrom's contract. So Sale could test the free agent market again at age thir- – or for the first time at age 33 – um, he battled a, a shoulder issue down the stretch last season, but has looked really sharp this spring, uh, pitched nine scoreless innings with 13 strikeouts and only one walk in Grapefruit League play. Um, I think this contract should give fantasy over- owners even more confidence that the shoulder issue is behind him and then obviously the numbers he put up at spring training. Um, we, we all know that he can be an AL Cy Young award if, if he stays healthy and can, can be the top fantasy starter in baseball maybe even better than than max scherzer
0: i agree i i don't think the red sox would have gone that far if they weren't confident in in the health of his shoulder so i definitely think that's a good thing another ace locked up the astros reached a two-year 66 million dollar extension with justin verlander um and like chris sale he was previously due to become a free agent um this coming off season but now he's officially in the fold through 2021 the deal actually gives him the highest average annual value ever for a pitcher at 33 million uh, that tops Zach Granke's 32.5 million. and now only Mike Trout, in his recent contract extension, uh, beats him out among all players. Verlander has been just awesome since coming over from the Tigers in 2018, has a 232 ERA over 39 regular season starts, posted a 252 ERA with 290 strikeouts last year, finished second to Blake Snell and the AL Cy Young Award balloting. He turned 36 years old in February, and I don't think it was very long ago that we thought maybe or definitely his best days were behind him, but um, he's really showing no signs of slowing down. Um, the velocity's still there, obviously missing a ton of bats in a great situation there with the Astros. And with Garrett Cole set to potentially test free agency after the 2019 season, the Astros have at least stabilized the top of their rotation Uh, depending on what happens there so uh, should be feeling good about Verlander
1: yeah he was the the fourth starter off the board in most fantasy leagues this this spring yeah Um, just despite the age and all all the wear and tear on his arm Mm -hmm. Uh, just just keeps humming along Um, the Cubs and Kyle Hendricks agreed to a four-year 55.5 million dollar extension this past Tuesday the deal buys out his final arbitration year in 2020 and then his first three years of free agency at, at a fairly reasonable rate for 55 and a half million. He hasn't been as great in fantasy the last two seasons as he was in 2016 when he finished third in the NL Cy Young voting with a two point one three ERA, 170 strikeouts and 190 innings. But I think he's a pretty good draft day value this spring. Uh, should be a solid number three starter on any fantasy staff. Good shot at a high win total uh, with the Cubs. ERA should be in the low to mid threes, and I think could get you around 160 to 165 strikeouts if he goes 190 plus innings.
0: Yeah, He's not flashy. I mean, he, we know he doesn't throw hard. Um, so I think that's maybe why he's a little bit undervalued. But if you're in a league that has an innings cap and it's sort of like a strikeout per nine league, I think his value goes down a little bit, um, but you're right. I think the wins will be there with him and, you know, he'll help you out and whip and things like that. So uh, certainly a valuable starter and, and not someone, like you said, a couple of years ago, he was in the Cy Young award race. I don't think we're going to see that necessarily, but he's a very solid starter and has been since he's joined the Cubs. Um, all right. We got all the extension stuff out of the way. Now we're moving nope, on to
1: another one. Just another one just
0: broke. Are you serious?
1: No, I'm just messing
0: Okay. With you. <laughs> All right. I totally fell for that because it's completely believable. <laughs> All right. So we're going to hit on some injury and bullpen stuff before we move on to some preseason predictions just for a little bit of fun. And and we kind of buried this first note here, but it's a really important one. Uh, something came down on Wednesday afternoon with Francisco Lindor.
1: Yeah, he had nearly made a full recovery from that right calf strain that he suffered back in early February. Uh, But while playing in a minor league game Tuesday in Indians camp, he suffered a left ankle sprain on a rundown play, which is definitely going to further delay his regular season debut. He was already ticketed for the 10-day injured list to open the year, but the hope had been that he'd be ready to go on April 4th. Uh, That injured list stint could be backdated so that he'd only really miss a week of of games. Um, But an MRI taken of the ankle Wednesday showed only a moderate sprain, so that's good news. Uh, but the Indians aren't revealing a timetable. We don't really have a full picture of what exactly he's dealing with. Um, this probably pushes him definitely closer to mid-April, possibly even late April. Um, it's a blow if you spend a high first round pick on him this spring. I, he should still be good for you know, 20 something month, months of very good production. But it's something we talked about before is that maybe he won't steal as many bases this year because of the calf injury. Yeah. So you add, you add in this ankle sprain, which happened while he was running the bases. Um, and it's a little troubling, at least in that scoring category. I think he's still going to be a good source of power numbers and uh, batting average. Um, Eric Stamets is expected to serve as the Indians' primary shortstop until Lindor is ready. Max Moroff is an option, too. You've probably never heard of those guys unless you're an Indians fan. <laughs> um, neither of them you know, are, are on the radar for me in a mixed fantasy league. Nah. Stamets actually had a decent year in the upper minors last year, but um, nah, I, I would just pass and just wait for Lindor to come back and do yeah. something else at shortstop. Agreed. Um, and then Jose Ramirez had a scare last weekend, uh, fouled a ball off his knee and had to be carted off the field, but X-rays taken this week turned up negative. He only has a bruise, and uh, it's looking like he'll be ready to go on Thursday for opening day. He might get like an extra day off or two in the early going, but thankfully there's nothing to worry about there. That's good.
0: I mean, the we'll get into it a little bit later, but the Indians are looking pretty vulnerable right now. Oh, yeah. Um, we mentioned this briefly in last week's episode, but Matt Olson did indeed require surgery for the fractured hammock bone in his right hand. There's no clear timetable for his return just yet, but I've seen estimates of maybe four to eight weeks. And then you have to think after that, it might take some time for his power to recover. So uh, definitely a tough blow for his uh, for the athletics and for fantasy owners this year. Um, the A's will try to mix and match in his absence at first base. Mark Canna, uh, Jerickson Profar uh, should see time at first base. Franklin Barreto has made the opening day roster for the A's, so he'll play some second base. Uh, we could see some opportunities for Chad Pinder, who's had some sleeper momentum this spring in fantasy leagues. I hope Pinder gets uh, some more time there. He's he's definitely intriguing. Um, but, you know, Lizardo out for a little while too, probably a month or two. Um, so things not really going according to plan for, for an A's team, who I think need a lot to go right uh, to repeat what they did last year.
1: Yeah. Um, it's going to be another lost season for Steven Souza of the Diamondbacks. Uh, Slipped while crossing home plate in an exhibition game on Monday night and suffered an ACL tear an LCL tear, a partial PCL tear and his left knee. He also tore the posterior lateral capsule. Good Uh, God. (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything left to tear in it. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: He'll undergo season ending and perhaps even career threatening surgery. um, Sometime this week when the swelling goes down. Uh, Sousa, also suffered a late spring injury last year. It was a severe pectoral strain, I believe, on a diving catch. Um, only wound up appearing in 72 games in his first season with Arizona and didn't play particularly well when he was active. The, that injury just kind of lingered for him all year. Um, he was a really good fantasy outfielder not too long ago. Had, had an 8-10 OPS with 30 home runs and 16 stolen bases with the Rays in 2017. Um, the, the Diamondbacks traded for him the next winter. Uh, he turns 30 years old in April, will be 31 next year with a, a fully rebuilt knee. I think this is probably it for him in terms of being a fantasy asset. And he could really struggle to make an impact as a major league player moving forward. It's it's kind of sad uh, the, the way it's, it, it's all shaken out for him considering what he did with the Rays not too long ago.
0: Yeah, he was kind um, of a late bloomer too. Um, who got a chance basically because of that trade. He put up some really big numbers in the minors. I think there was some skepticism about, um, you know, if he was just like a quad A player, but he proved that he could be, you know, really productive player in the major. So uh, definitely a bummer. And I just want to say, you know how I realize I'm in too many fantasy leagues? When I realized I had Souza on three of my fantasy rosters. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, looking at, I guess, more positive news, uh, Adam Jones... I think he's a right. little bit more playable now in mixed leagues. Not You're not expecting anything like he's put up in the past, but um, you know, still post a good batting average. He's always been useful in that category. Um, should still be a little bit of pop left in his bat too. Not really going to steal bases anymore, but I think you could roster him in a deeper fantasy league. Uh, Ketel Marte is going to get a chance to be, it seems anyway, the, the regular center fielder there, or at least semi-regular. Um, and I think that was the original plan before the Diamondbacks signed Adam Jones. But um, now the Souza injury has changed things once again. So Catel Marte, if you look at his last four months last season, he was actually pretty sneaky good um, yeah. as far as a, a fantasy option. So um, going to have that multi-position eligibility, you know, mid- middle infield, outfield. He could find a spot on, on deeper league rosters as well.
1: Yeah, Jones, I mean, Adam Jones will probably be their everyday right fielder and could bat near the top of the lineup. But you know, he didn't do much in Baltimore last year, which is a very good hitting environment, 15 home runs, seven steals and 145 games. So he's probably not going to do a whole lot in Arizona, which is, you know, now more pitcher friendly with the humidor. But I do, I do like Marte. I think he's a sneaky breakout candidate this year.
0: Another injury here, the angels, we already know they're going to be without Shohei Otani in their lineup to begin the year. He's still rehabbing from Tommy John surgery, but The Angels will also be missing Justin Upton due to a case of turf toe. He suffered the injury on, I believe it was his big left toe, uh, when he ran into the outfield wall on Sunday. It actually looked like a pretty innocent play with him running up against the wall. Not like he crashed into it, but he's been having trouble moving around ever since. So going to get a late start on the year. I guess things could have been worse. We didn't hear about a fracture or anything like that. I don't think it's going to keep him out super long, but... He's definitely going to be missed in this lineup. The internal options for the Angels are not good at all. Peter Borges. Peter yeah. <laughs> yeah. Throwback. Back with the Angels. Actually made the opening day roster, was added to the, to the 40-man roster on Tuesday. You know, has had that reputation as like a really good defender, but he hasn't been a productive hitter in at least five years <laughs> and has really never been a great hitter to begin with. I'm talking about maybe league average. Um, so that's not good (laughs) David Fletcher is another option but uh, has limited experience in the outfield not a lot of pop you're not going to get much from him there I doubt the Angels panic and make an outside addition if you know Upton's only going to miss a couple of weeks or something like that but you never know as teams you know cut guys toward the end of spring training and or you know maybe there's players out of options you never know the Angels could could pick up some outfield depth but um, I think even missing a little bit of time definitely hurts the Angels
1: um, some Braves rotation updates here. Mike Fultonevich will open the season on the injured list with a right elbow injury, something that popped up uh, after his first start of the spring in, in the Grapefruit League. But he is expected to start uh, the season opener at AAA Gwinnett on April 4th and then should be in the Braves rotation by around the middle of April. Um, Kevin Gaussman is, is another injured list-bound starter for Atlanta. But the hope is that he can join the major league rotation on April 6th. He's been dealing with some minor shoulder fatigue. Um, So these two items mean that Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright will be in the rotation for the Braves to begin the year. Max Freed is also going to be in there. They're all intriguing prospects to me. Freed and Wright, especially for this year, uh, given that Wilson just turned 21 years old. But fulton and Gaussman are going are to be back um, sometime in April, most likely, as long as there are no setbacks. It's probably going to be like a, a carousel of arms working through the Braves rotation all season. Definitely could create some good fantasy streaming scenarios. Um, I, I'd be willing to use Wilson or Wright or Freed in, in the right matchups uh, when they're up. I, I don't know that you want to roster them right away in a standard, shallower mixed league, but... There's an argument that, that you should, if, if you look at the minor league numbers and the prospect ranks, they're they're all w- very well regarded guys and they have the numbers to show for it. I think it's just going to come down to opportunity, and I feel like the the Braves are going to have nine different starters that, that they use this year. Yeah, um, Tuki
0: Tuki Toussaint as well, uh, Luis Gohara, who was like you know a potential breakout guy last year, didn't work out health wise for him. I love Bryce Wilson. Um, I hope he gets an extended shot, but. You know, if these guys don't fit in the rotation, they could throw some of these guys in the bullpen, too.
1: Mike Soroka, too.
0: Yeah, Soroka, unfortunately, continues to have some shoulder issues, but he came up with some big expectations and and looked good in his limited exposure in the majors last year. Hopefully, uh, he can get back uh, to good health and, and get back in that major league rotation. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but Carlos Correa is hurt. Sure. He tweaked his neck in a rundown last weekend and was scratched from a couple of games earlier this week. It's being called neck stiffness, but either way, Astros manager A.J. Hinch expressed some uncertainty about his availability for opening day. I guess maybe we'll have a little more clarity on that by the time uh, you guys are listening to this, hopefully. Either way, not obvious, obviously not what you want to hear about a player who struggled through a back issue last season, career low 728 OPS. Was just brutal down the stretch last year. Um, Showed a little something during the postseason. Then got a full offseason arrest. Also had surgery in November for a deviated septum, which he said actually um, solved some breathing issues that he had. Um, Assuming that impacted him as well last year. He said he came into camp feeling great. The back was great. Um, So hopefully this won't be a big deal. Correa is still capable of doing huge things. Uh, especially in that lineup. But 110 games last year, 109 games in 2017. Just hasn't really matched the hype from basically his first two seasons in the majors. Uh, But certainly still time. He's very young. By Yahoo ADP, uh, Correa was the seventh shortstop off the board um, at 36.5 just between Trevor Story and Xander Bogarts. That's right about where I had him and ahead of Carlos Correa, or, or ahead of Corey Seager, rather. Um, who I'd probably put behind Bogarts too. So I think the ranking made sense. Just hopefully Correa can stay on the field.
1: All right, let's get into some some bullpen stuff. Starting with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, this time last week, we were talking about the Brewers having serious interest in him. Uh, somehow still a free agent on the, the eve of opening day. Um, and you would think that interest would only intensify with word coming down that Corey Canable has a UCL issue in his elbow. Uh, Definitely looking at an extended absence, there's talk of surgery, maybe even Tommy John surgery. Um, but the Brewers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Tom Hodricourt, uh, continues to tell readers that it's doubtful to happen with Kimbrell. Mm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Now there's talk of the Braves getting back into the running for Kimbrell. Uh, mm. But MLB.com's Mark Bowman reported the other day that the Braves have not made an formal offer mm. to him. Um so I, I don't think he's going to be with a team on opening day. And then maybe it comes down to him waiting until like, after the June draft. There was talk of that at various points this spring. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird situation. For the Brewers, they're, they're probably not going to have a designated closer to open the year. Um, maybe when Jeremy Jeffress comes back from his shoulder injury, which shouldn't be too long, he could slide in and be the primary guy. Uh, Josh Hader could see an uptick in ninth, ninth inning work in the early going Alex Claudio, uh, Jacob Barnes, Taylor Williams, Matt Matt Albers could all be options uh, over the first several weeks of the season, perhaps, depending on when when Jeffers comes back.
0: I think what's going to happen is that, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, we're going to see some team's bullpen be a complete disaster. The Red or, Sox? Yeah, <laughs> or multiple teams for that matter. And I think that'll be the time that, you know, teams will realize, hey, like one of the best closers of all time is just sitting there without a team and someone will sign him. I think it'll happen this month or in April. I guess,
1: I guess you think he's just not lowering his asking price. Like he's at 70 million or, or, or above and he's just like meet it or I'm not going to sign.
0: I I wish I knew. I, I just feel like yeah. we really haven't heard like anything as far as numbers. And I feel like that's been something that's happened a lot this off season where we used to hear like, a lot of rumors as far as offers and like this offseason there was basically none of that until like the nitty-gritty kind of contract stuff with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado but otherwise there wasn't a lot of back and forth with like offers being leaked to the press that,
1: that is true yeah
0: so I I literally don't don't know other than you know if, if whoever signs them as long as it's not the Red Sox they give up I think two draft picks And international signing bonus money, which isn't like a small thing. So I think that's definitely a factor, especially with teams who are reluctant to give a multi year contract to a reliever.
1: And then if he waits to sign until after the draft, that they no longer have to do that. If I'm correct, if I'm reading correctly, I think
0: that's true. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 So who knows? But I think it'll happen within the next few weeks. But. We could be saying the same thing a few weeks from now. <laughs> um, we'll, have a,
1: we'll have a regular Kimbrel update yeah. on that.
0: <laughs> Other closer news here. Greg Holland has been named the Diamondbacks closer, ultimately getting the nod over Archie Bradley and Yoshihisa Harano. Holland didn't have the best spring. Uh, he gave up five runs over four and two-thirds innings of work. He's apparently been averaging 90 miles per hour on his fastball, which isn't encouraging. He was at 93 miles per hour last year. 96 miles per hour in his peak with the Royals. Of course, Holland was a complete nightmare with the Cardinals last season. Before turning things around after signing with the Nationals, he had a 0.84 ERA in 24 appearances with the Nationals, uh, 25 strikeouts, and 21 in the third innings, though he also walked 10 batters. But a command has never really been a strong suit for Holland anyway. Still, I think all things considered, keeping Holland in the ninth inning uh, would be ideal. Um, if you do want to give him a shot uh, in a team's bullpen, sort of allowing Bradley to pitch more of the high leverage situations earlier in games, seventh, eighth innings. And if he stumbles, they can look at alternatives. Hirano was a pretty, he would make for a pretty decent fallback. He was pretty good last year, uh, had an ERA in the twos. I wouldn't be too upset if I missed out on Holland in fantasy leagues. I don't really have much faith at all in him keeping this job, especially if that velocity doesn't recover. Um, But, yeah, I mean, as far as the alignment of the bullpen, keeping Holland in the ninth, I think it makes the most sense. Him starting innings with nobody on base.
1: Yeah, I mean, in drafts, I think I feel like you wanna be rostering two elite closers that are you know are gonna have the job this year. Yeah. And let everyone else fend for the scraps that are remaining. Because more teams are embracing the idea that you don't really need to have a designated ninth inning man. Um the twins are one of those teams. New manager Rocco Baldelli said this week that he will not name a closer going into opening day. Uh, Trevor May seemed to be the leading candidate there. At least uh, we wanted him to be the leading candidate <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but free agent addition Blake Parker uh, with probably next in line. Um, but Bald- Baldelli also mentioned Taylor Rogers and, and Trevor Hildenberger. Um, as possibilities to see save chances in the early going. That could be a really frustrating situation for fantasy owners um, with the Twins looking like they could be pretty decent this year. Um, But it is really the the, the smart real-life strategy for any team. Um, And, you know, Baldali came up with the Rays, who are very data-driven, analytic-minded. I think May is still the guy I'd want to have on my roster from that bullpen. But I agree. Again, yeah, again, it could be pretty frustrating. Uh, and then just to round out a, a few other, there's there's no real clarity yet on the Cardinals' closer situation. I would guess Jordan Hicks will be the guy given the stuff he flashed this spring, improved slider command. Andrew Miller Miller had a really bad spring, a bunch of walks, also hit a ton of batters. Uh, so we'll be monitoring his outings in the early going see if maybe he was just working on some stuff in the grapefruit league. Uh, Alex Reyes could factor in maybe even Carlos Martinez whenever he's able to return. But uh, Jordan Hicks is probably the guy I'd want to own from that bullpen. Then the Royals, if anyone cares uh, are still pretty open-ended about their closer. Willie Peralta and Brad Boxberger are the candidates there, but that team is so bad Um, outside of the stolen base upside of some of the guys on the offense. I think, you might just want to avoid the team entirely uh from from a fantasy perspective. There are some starters there who are kind of interesting, but
0: I like Jorge um, Soler this year in drafts.
1: Okay, there you go. Um
0: but yeah, I mean, that's just not an attractive situation <laughs> as far as uh a closer situation. I, I wouldn't even bother. I mean, Boxberger I had at least some potential. Um yeah. So if you're really desperate, he's probably the one I'd grab.
1: Peralta had like decent peripherals last year, but he's so up and down. Um, And you're talking about a team that's probably going to win like 40 to 45 games. Maybe, Uh, yeah, yeah. So you might, I don't know, just target two elite closers and and let everyone else worry about the Brad Boxburgers of the world.
0: Okay, so we're going to wrap things up here with a little bit of fun and some preseason predictions. We're not taking this too seriously, but... Uh, Just something to set us up for opening day, going through division, wildcard winners, World Series, you know, individual awards, stuff like that. So I'll get started with uh, my division winners, Uh, AL East, I have Yankees, um, then Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles, AL Central, Indians, but it's it's pretty tight, Uh, Twins, second place, White Sox, Royals, Tigers, AL West, Astros, of course, Uh, Angels, Athletics, Mariners, Rangers, um my wild cards from the AL will be the Red Sox and the Twins. I think the Twins will clean up on some of those bad teams uh in the AL Central and ultimately get that second wild card spot. So NL I have uh, Nationals winning the NL East with the Phillies in second place, uh Mets third, Braves fourth, Marlins of course last, NL Central, Cardinals I have taken the NL Central, yeah, which is like gonna it. be an interesting division. Uh, Brewers and Cubs right there, I think the Reds will be good The Reds are my 4th place team Pirates uh, coming in last there Dodgers winning the West uh, Rockies and Padres and Diamondbacks, Giants in last My wild cards are the Phillies and the Brewers I think it's going to be interesting with the Braves and Mets, they'll be right there too um, but I think the Brewers are going to be creative and if one of those if a couple of those young pitchers can break out in their rotation, I think they're going to be really good my World Series champ, though, is the Astros.
1: Over who? Who's representing the NL?
0: A Nationals.
1: That's exactly my pick. Yeah. Um, so I, I put up uh, power rankings every week that, on the Roto World website. My first win, one of the season went up on Tuesday. It's kind of like little snippets of, of outlooks on each team. Um, So, definitely read that every Tuesday. It's not really fantasy driven, uh, but there are some little fantasy nuggets in each of the individual team write ups. Um, I'll just go through my division winners real quick AL East, Red Sox, AL Central, Indians, AL West, Astros, and then the wild cards are the Yankees and the Twins. All
0: right, we like Um, the Twins this year.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the AL wild card, like who's going to get the second spot? It's a lot different than who's going to get the second spot in the NL.
0: Yeah, I was arguing um, over the offseason, like why did the Mariners just like trade everybody off? Because I didn't think the A's could duplicate what they did last yeah. year. And so I thought the Mariners really had a shot. And the Angels pitching is always such a mess that I think there's a chance the Mariners could have been in second and secured that second wild card. But I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, the NL East I have the Nationals. The NL Central I have the Cardinals. Though in my power rankings, I had no idea where to rank Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals. They're all like right yeah. after one another. Mm-hmm. Um NLS Dodgers, uh the wild cards I have the Brewers and Phillies. I think you can make an argument for the Cubs certainly being in there. The Mets could possibly surprise uh, the Reds, who knows? Uh, the yeah. Padres, you know?
0: The Braves. Could make
1: a real run at it. The Braves, yeah, we hadn't even talked about the Braves, uh, who who won the NL East last year. Yeah. Um, and then my, my World Series is Astros over Nationals, just like you.
0: Well, I mean, think about the NL. There's only a couple of teams who, I know over the offseason there was so much talk about, like, teams aren't really trying. But in the NL, like, there are the clear teams that we're not expecting much from this year. Marlins, Giants. I guess Diamondbacks, sold they sold off a bunch of parts. Um the Pirates, I don't really think they're a contender, but I think they'll be respectable enough. Like otherwise, I mean the NL is pretty yeah, strong.
1: The Rockies, we didn't talk about either. That could be one of the best lineups in the in the majors. Yeah. I, I um, think and if there's, there's some of their young pitchers like do just do what they did last year, they could be a wild card team.
0: There's definitely it's a lot more top heavy in the AL. Um, there's a lot more teams who I'm not saying aren't try i mean there's definitely a few teams who aren't trying but there's other teams who are kind of in the middle like waiting for prospects to emerge the white Sox, for example Um, but other teams just sort of in a rebuild you know the mariners shifted into a rebuild it looks like the rangers are going in that direction as well the tigers certainly so uh the orioles i think we can bank on them being the worst team in baseball again so the al definitely a lot more top heavy with those elite teams it's not often that you see teams projected for a hundred wins, but I think that's what we're going to see for like a team like the Astros.
1: All right, let's. So, NL MVP Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no pressure, kid. No pressure at all.
1: <laughs> no, just I'm going to say Bryce Harper. Um, I'm going to say he has a monster first year with the Phillies and wins what would be his second NL MVP. He won his first at age 22. I just love the park there for him, the batters around him in the lineup. I think he's going to be really excited to, to get going. I think the home runs, RBI totals, and OPS are, are what, what are going to carry him to the hardware
0: there. I had Harper as well. Uh, nice. I think he's just going to have a monster year um, in that stadium with that lineup. I don't know if it's the best lineup he'll, he'll ever be a part of, but it's really deep. I mean, Michael Franco is batting 8th. Uh, which is weird to me for some reason. But... Cesar
1: Hernandez is bad in seventh. Yeah. You know, um,
0: yeah, McCutcheon leaning off. I mean, I just love that lineup. If everybody's healthy, um, so I'm, I'm expecting a big year from Bryce Harper. AL MVP. I'm just going chalk. I have Mike Trout.
1: Yeah, me too. Which is Mookie Betts was incredible last year. Like definitely deserving of that AL MVP. But Trout would have won it if he didn't miss those weeks with a wrist injury
0: probably mm. i it's yeah. it's so weird with the voters i mean we all know he's the best player in baseball but it almost feels like the voters are like bored or like wait, looking for excuses not to vote for him yeah. <laughs> i don't know it's this has been a constant for for trout during his career but um you know if healthy i'm you're just expecting normal excellence from mike trout you can bank on i think francisco lindor might have been one of my top alternatives but now we don't know You know, when he's going to be back. I mean, could Aaron Judge do it? I think he's a decent option. Um, And Mookie Betts, of course, a possibility to repeat Alex Bregman with the Astros. You know, an emerging superstar. Expecting big things from him this year as well. So lots of ways you could go, but uh, Trout is just always the safest.
1: (laughs) This will be Trout's age 27 season. Like, there's no reason this can't be his best year, you know, of his career. He's not... OPS Water. plus
0: last year was his best season. Yeah, <laughs> which is amazing to think. About.
1: You know, f- fresh off signing that record contract extension,
0: mm-hmm. uh, upwards of four hundred thirty million
1: dollars. So maybe like that gives him the publicity he needs with voters, even if the Angels are not good.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, NL Cy Young. I have Max Scherzer. Uh, unless Jacob Degrom can somehow repeat his one point seven zero ERA. Scherzer's a boring pick but um he's boringly great. I think has DeGrom on strikeouts, maybe wins. Um the other numbers could be pretty similar.
0: I I I was thinking about going chalk here but I ultimately w- went with Aaron Nola. I think he's just going to continue what he did last season, continue to to progress and grow. Uh with that Phillies lineup being as awesome as it is, uh, and I think their bullpen is going to have um some quality arms in there. He's going to win, and not that wins matter, but he's going to win 20-plus games. I'm expecting an ERA under three. He doesn't have like the strikeout upside of a Max Scherzer, but I think he'll have the narrative since the Phillies are, in my mind, they're going to be a playoff team this year, um, that he'll have enough momentum to to win the side.
1: Um, AL Cy Young, Chris Sale. Um, I think he would have won it over Blake Snell and Justin Verlander last year if his shoulder didn't start barking toward the end of the season. Had a 3.5 K per nine in 158 innings a 2.11 ERA. If he can stay healthy, I think he finally wins a Cy Young award. Uh, he's finished top six in the in that voting each of the
0: last seven years. I have Justin Verlander. Just was so great last year. I'm not sure if well, it's it's obviously unfair to expect Blake Snell to repeat what he did last year. Chris Sale kind of dropped off, you know, with the shoulder thing last year, and I wonder how deep he can make it into the year this year, if the Red Sox will maybe protect him a little bit more. Um, So that's why I'm going Verlander. Garrett Cole's another fine option. Um, But he's only had that kind of amazing year once while Verlander has, you know, been up and down, but seemingly back, you know, at the top of his game. And again, a great setting for him. I expect the Astros to score a ton of runs and and support him there. So um, yeah, one more time for Verlander.
1: I think that's a pretty good pick. Like the Astros have no reason not to just let him go. Yeah. Let, let him eat, let him throw 270 innings between the, the regular season and the playoffs. Yeah. He's a horse. Oh yeah. And then I, I was thinking we could uh, wrap this up with a, a more fantasy minded prediction. Um, give me one player outside the top 200 average draft position um, who will, you think will return top 100 value. All right. Um, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I I mean uh, there are two It's a
1: tricky it's a tricky question because like there's a reason those guys are outside the top 200 yeah. but and it's just it's a, it's a bold call. Just some like of it is
0: call. is a playing time thing and and I think Garrett Hampson has a great path if the playing time's there with the Rockies I'm not completely sold that it will be with Ryan McMahon around he's had a great spring but with the speed and Coors field as the backdrop I could easily see Hampson pushing top 100 value. Um, I think he's somewhere in the 230s with ADP on Yahoo, but as far as players locked into a regular role come opening day, I'm going to go with Ramon Laureano with the Athletics. Um, really impressive after his call-up last year. Had some issues with strikeouts, and he also had a three eighty eight batting average on balls in play, but you know, has speed. So that, that factors into batting average on balls and play. Also managed five homers, 19 RBIs, seven steals, 27 runs scored in just 48 games after his call up last year. The speed is legit. Look like, looks like he's going to be the regular leadoff man for the A's to begin the year. And even if he struggles a little bit, his defense and his arm should make his playing time safe as well. I don't see him being a big batting average guy. Like maybe he hits like 250 or something like that. But I could see him maybe going 20-20 and scoring 80-plus runs, you know, driving in 60-plus runs as well. The speed at a time it comes at a, at a premium, the counting ability, I think that'll allow him to crack the top 100.
1: Mine is going to be uh, Tyler White, who I've just been banging the drum on all spring. Average draft position of 247.4 this spring on Yahoo. I got him for $3 in, in an auction draft on ESPN the other night. I think he's just super underrated given his status as an everyday player in a loaded Astros lineup. Had a 311 batting average, 938 OPS, and 282 career games at the AAA level. Uh, Finally getting a chance in the majors. Had a a 939 OPS with 12 home runs and 42 RBIs over 54 games last year between July 11th and September 30th uh, with the Astros. Um, He'll probably start the year batting 6th or 7th. But he climbed to fifth last season when he got on that roll in in the late summer months. First base is pretty shallow this year. I think he finishes as like a second-tier fantasy option at the position. Not really all that far behind uh, the the truly elite options of Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt. That's my bold call.
0: I like it. I should say about Laureano, his ADP in Yahoo is 242.4. Um, but I agree, first base is shallower than it's been in some time. I think it's going to help that you know Reese Hoskins will get first base eligibility, you know, in a couple of weeks. Daniel Murphy yeah, as well. Murphy. Pete Alonso being up that should that should help out too. So there'll be more options at first base. But um, you're right, it, it you know in drafts this year it dropped off pretty fast, and Matt Olson being hurt doesn't doesn't help either. So um, I think that'll do it for us this week. Yep. Remember, beginning next week, we'll have episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, Matt Strapp will get things started next Tuesday, and we'll be back for our usual show coming out on Friday. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to rate and review as well. We would really like to spread the word about this show as the season gets underway, so uh, any help would be much appreciated. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. True is after. So enjoy opening day everyone.